Today, no matter where you are gathered, this is what we need to be reminded of today. That wherever two or more are gathered in his name, Jesus is standing in our midst. This means the church hasn't changed. The church isn't a building. It is the spirit of God living in us, living through us. So today, as we come together, as we worship, let us be reminded that we are still his church. God is here with us right now. And no matter what your past looks like or how scary your future may be, you can trust God. You can trust God. You can trust God. It's a good place to start. In fact, the church for uh, as long as uh, we have been the church have gathered on the first day of the week to remind ourselves of this truth, that the truest story that we can tell is the story of God's love overcoming every single thing, every single thing that might in any way hold us back, separate us from God, be our ultimate undoing. The church is gathered to tell the story of the resurrection of Jesus, to tell the story of our own entrance into the fullness of God. And to gather up once a week and bring all of our stuff back to the pile and proclaim God's ability over it. And it sort of takes that, you know, sort of takes about a week for me to forget that God is good and God is enough. And so today we want to give you a chance to do that as we come again to the book of Colossians, which proclaims the cosmic enoughness of Jesus. We have been uh, been saying uh, to claim that over something specific. And so today, as you came in, hopefully, uh, you got uh, some links of chain. If you didn't get that, Pastor Joe's uh, back in the back, and if you didn't get one, just raise your hand, and he can, he can get you some. All right. And um, we've got most, of, most of you did good and got your kids dropped off and got all your stuff and got settled. It's pretty good. Good job. So Joe up here in the front, and I think over here, yeah. So uh, because I I want you to be able to hold these uh, during the sermon, and it'll give you something to do uh, while I'm talking, Uh, but but begin to sort of name that uh, as we think about the things that we ultimately do feel like hold us back or are are symbolic of our our chains. And that might be something very specific, uh, something that you're dealing with that feels like it's just sort of coming against you. Uh, or it might be some kind of guilt or shame or some kind of residual thing that just kind of won't let go, uh, an ability to forgive and an ability to be forgiven. I don't think you'll have to think hard about what that is. It might be a physical challenge, the challenges that come with aging or with health in some way, and you're just going to hold that today because we're going to claim the power of resurrection over it. And I think it's important as we uh, continue to go in through the book of Colossians to keep this dynamic, as we talk about the cosmic Christ and the cosmic enoughness of Jesus, to keep bringing that down to the ground, to, to, to see how that it applies. So we've been saying that Colossians believes that, that Christ is enough in the, in the broadest sense possible. But Colossians also believes that it's really important for people to live like that's true. And I think that's where maybe my struggle is, maybe it is yours, uh, to live into that. I mean, goodness gracious, I go down Scottsville Road, and I'm pretty convinced there's a conspiracy against me that every light turns red, right? Like the cosmic forces of the world align just to slow me down in traffic. Do you ever, I mean, you ever, I mean it's silly, but do you feel that way? Do you feel like you're the only one, go back to Scottsville Road, where like people will cut you off and then start driving slow? Like, I, th- I think that's just me. You all probably don't have to deal with that. But I feel like, oh my goodness. 
And then, then you start connecting the dots of all the forces that work against you. And that's a silly way of describing what we probably all experience with our lives, with our adversity, with our health. But there are these forces that align that are against us. And, and Colossians speaks to that. So let's go back to Colossians 1, a little bit of a review. This is week five in our series, but this is where we began as we think about the cosmic enoughness of Jesus. And we hear and see in those, some of those first words that will pop up, the, the words that get to the, that, that Christ is there at the beginning and the, has, has the, 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 the sufficiency and the supremacy over every single thing. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or forces against you, turning the lights red. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, which sometimes we feel like is sort of is the opposite of that, right? It, that it feels like it's falling apart. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. And what we've been saying is that means really the supremacy of a love that would give its life for us, a God who would give his life for us. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross." That, that love that covers both heaven and earth, the cosmic enoughness of Jesus, as we've been saying, is the, the thing that Colossians proclaims. But I do have a concern, uh, if I'm honest, and we've been, this is sort of week five as we're kind of wrestling with the message of Colossians. I have a concern. How do you talk about a cosmic Christ and yet bring that right back down to the ground where we're living? Does that make sense? Like, that, you know, the more kind of lofty and spiritual talky-talk it can be, the less practical it can, it can feel. How does the cosmic enoughness of Jesus apply to the thing that you're holding in your hand? And sometimes we fail to make that connection. Colossians believes it's important that we make the connection, but we struggle to do so. And, we can, and you know, you sort of feel like, oh, I trust God, and then, like, in a minute, something will kind of steer you off course. It, it can come and go. This is not a done, uh, one and done kind of situation where, okay, I've got faith, it's over, and I, I don't have to worry about it. In fact, we can get so distracted that there is this sort of disconnect between the two things, the cosmic enoughness of Jesus and, and our regular lives. Oliver Wendell Holmes is attributed with this quote, some people are so heavenly minded that they are no earthly good. It's coming. There it is. I didn't know I had that power. Gosh. Some people are so heavily minded that they're no earthly good. Have you heard that? And then Johnny Cash took that idea and turned it into a song. And I felt like whatever sermon it is could be uh, uh, sort of made better by Johnny Cash in the morning, right? So I want you to hear this little clip and see if you've heard this before. The gospel ain't gospel until it is spread. But how can you share it where you've got your head? There's hands that reach out for a hand if you would. So heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. No earthly good, you are no earthly good. 
You're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. There's hands that reach out for a hand if you would. So heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. That's basically it. That's uh, kind of takes that idea. So what does that mean? Uh, that, but there's some kind of disconnect between what we believe about God uh, and, and, and then how we live it out. And uh, the, the critique, I think, from Johnny Cash and from others is that, that sometimes our faith doesn't bring the two together. You're going to be sort of up here in the clouds kind of talking about Christ and the work of God and spiritual things and theology and all that. But have a disconnect from how we how we how we live it out, how it becomes part of our lives and embodied in us. Some of us were taught that that was the thing. In fact, you know, the the, the point of this was to just escape the realities of earth, get to heaven. That's solved, and you you don't have to worry about it. And faith becomes a little bit more than eternal fire insurance. But the story we tell in Christ is different than that. It is of a God who comes flooding into the world, engaging it. A love, as we've seen in Colossians, that is all of God's fullness that now dwells in in the physical body of Jesus, in the world, on the earth, in a real place, in real, real time. How does the cosmic love of God get lived out? in us, through him. This is the challenge and, of course, the opportunity. Some of us were taught that that wasn't the thing at all. In fact, faith can be sort of this thing that helps us disengage from the world. And, you know, if I'm honest, I remember as a child, I mean, I've been in the church my whole life. I've known of God's love for me since before I can remember. But I remember where I was, in fact, as a kid on the the bridge, the Blue Bridge in Owensboro, Kentucky. Anybody know about the Blue Bridge? If you know, you know. Um, uh, coming from the Indiana, or you know, as we know, the Promised Land, over to um, to Kentucky, and um, I was thinking as a kid about how all of this stuff works. And I remember asking myself the question, sort of like talking to God and sort of talking to myself, like, okay, so if I have accepted Jesus into my heart, and I'm going to heaven when I die. What now? Has anybody ever had that sort of, that, re- that wrestling? Like, okay, that, that, so then what, what now? And I think Colossians speaks to that. You know, some of us were taught that the what now is just to sort of endure, just kind of get, get through. And there is an element of life that is getting through and enduring. Some of us were, were taught that uh, we were we just need to sort of anxiously escape from all the evils of, of, of the world. Some of us were taught that all physical things are bad, that our bodies are bad, that our emotions are bad, that, that faith has nothing to say about caring for the earth, to steward this planet. Some of us got the message, whether it was said or not, that faith is a personal improvement plan rather than God putting the whole cosmos back together. Some of us were were actually taught or we kind of picked up the message that faith causes us to disengage in some way. Sort of the Titanic version of spirituality, right? Like the whole thing's going down anyway. 
So you might as well not worry about rearranging the chairs, so to speak. But is that the story of Jesus? Is that the story that we tell? A story of God coming to the earth in a human body to redeem this world. The whole point of the story of Jesus is that we are so heavenly minded, this is the cosmic enoughness of Jesus, that we're so heavenly minded that we discover God's earthly good. That it causes us, like Christ, to engage the, the situation, to engage the challenge, to engage the question, to engage the doubt. Trusting, as we hold those chains in our hands, that there is, there is something that speaks to it. And the connection isn't always easy. It isn't always apparent. We, we wrestle with that. The whole point, though, is to find the love, the fullness of God, Colossians would say, the fullness of God, which begins to fill every dark place, every broken thing, every broken person, every broken system, until God brings all of it back together. And when we say salvation, that's what we mean. It is nothing less than the cosmic putting back together of all things in heaven and on earth, Colossians says. So I have some people who pray with me every Sunday, uh, and I'm sure, um, it's like, I'm not talking about like in the formal way, it's like we, we have a meeting, we talk about the service before uh, we come out here, uh, and we pray, and that's, uh, we have prayer team members who, who, are, who are equipped to that, and it's just a powerful thing. I just have some guys who come up to me, though, before the service, and they'll put their arm around me, and they'll pray. And it's, it's almost the same prayer, roughly the same prayer from each. There's two in particular that are almost every Sunday. And before 8.15, it's pretty much the same prayer. Uh, those of you who know Marion Taylor is one of our saints. And he comes up to me. Uh, he's had um, a cochlear implant. He's gone through a time where he couldn't hear at all. Uh, he, he seems undeterred. When he's there, he finds me. And he prays with me. And he always says something similar. He says, be with all the people coming in today. So pretty much every Sunday, Marion prays for you all. Be with all the, the people today. Heal their broken hearts. Amen. And then he says, hang in there, buddy. Every single Sunday. Colossians does get up there into the heavens but it is just as much about all the broken places on earth. It comes back down to the ground. In fact, it is the cosmic enoughness of Jesus that is our starting place for all of those other things. Not anxiety, not fear, not a sense that there's something lacking, but the cosmic enoughness of Jesus the, the work of God, which is bringing heaven and earth together. And I hope you caught that in Colossians 1.16. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether there are thrones or powers or rulers or authorities or things that are coming against us, we would say all things have been created through him and for him. And then he's the one who holds them together. In Christ, this is Colossians' view of salvation. In Christ, salvation is not rescuing us from this world it is returning this world to its rightful owner. And that happens as individual people and then groups of people and then the creation itself 
discovers the truth that Jesus is Lord over all of it. Colossians is saying, we know who wins in this scheme, in this story. And so we're no longer driven by anxiety or fear or concern or escape. We're now compelled by joy. That our starting point is unbelievable gratitude. Not lack, but overwhelming fullness. Wonder, awe, deep thankfulness. And as Pastor Wayne, my, uh, my good friend Pastor Wayne would like to say in his southern accent, possibility. Possibility is our beginning point because Jesus is first over all of it. Colossians wants to claim that. It wants to claim us into the story. And so it isn't just a story of Jesus who died and who uh, was raised to life. It is also us in that story. So Colossians 2.13, when you were dead in your sins, see, like, we're, we're brought into the story of Jesus. When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the bond which stood against us. And that word literally means a handwritten note that would be taken into court. It is, a, it is the, the charge, the handwritten charge against you. It's like that one time I was in Louisville and I uh, was lost and I was downtown. This is a long time ago. Hopefully the statute of limitations is passed. And I, was, uh, I parked. I got a parking violation. Uh, and I was lost, so I like, parked my truck and I went around the corner looking for the place that I was going to. And I came back about 26 seconds later and there was a ticket on my truck handwritten thing. How anyone had the time in 26 seconds to appear, write a ticket, put it in my, my, under my windshield wiper and leave, I, I don't know. But I didn't pay the ticket because I was so aggravated by the whole thing. But sometimes I feel like that thing is still out there. Like when I, like I didn't know that my son was going to go to L and I have to like drive up to Louisville a lot. And so I drive extra careful while I'm there. I didn't plan to say that, but it really works because there's still a little bit of anxiety, right? And I'm just thinking about how this goes out into the internet and everybody will see it. And like, well, what? Uh, okay. The legal demand, the piece of paper written down that causes us anxiety. What's the image that Colossians gives us that that piece of paper has been nailed to the cross? And there's a little confusion about what is the charge against us is. This is not in the scheme of, you know, that God didn't write that. It, it again, is about those cosmic forces. Colossians is concerned that in the ancient world, there's a sense that there's this mysterious cosmic world with all these spiritual forces and rulers and authorities and all that, which we don't understand, and it makes us nervous. And the whole point is, like, it's been nailed to the cross. That little flurry of anxiety, gone. You know, Romans 8 is a, a beloved passage of Scripture, and it says something similar. It helps us understand that idea that there is some kind of force working against us. It says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, then who could be against us? Who will bring any charge? You see it? There it is again. The sense that there would somehow be some kind of charge, a handwritten thing against us. Who will bring any charge against us? Those whom God has chosen. It is God who justifies. Who then could condemn? No one. Christ, Jesus, who died and nailed the thing to the cross, more than that, who was raised to life because we are now brought into that story of his fullness, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. 
Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? This is relational language, isn't it? It helps us understand that the thing that we're most concerned about and the thing we're most in danger of is separation from God. And God has handled that. Who shall separate us from the love of God? There is not enough force in the world to do it. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are what? More than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels or demons, the present or the future nor any powers, height or depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And what we begin to hear in these passages is a little bit of swagger around this idea. The thing that we need to understand is that this has been taken care of and we can stare death in the face and say, you know what? You got nothing on me. Archbishop Desmond Tutu was prone to say to people as he was fighting apartheid in South Africa, as he would literally have forces coming against him being physical military forces and political powers. He once had um, a, a group of soldiers come in and line the, the walls of the, of the sanctuary while he was preaching. During his sermon, he stopped and he said, listen, I need to tell you in the name of Jesus that the battle's already been won. And so I'm glad you're here. Come join the winning side. Now that takes some guts, doesn't it? But every Easter, back to that where I started, back, back, back to the, that whole celebration of the resurrection, every Easter we get together and say, death, oh death, where is your sting? We sang it this morning, right? There is an element of the church coming together to have a little bit of swagger around this. Like, what could you bring against us? If God is for us, who could be against us? Who could condemn us? What piece of paper do you have that could speak to the thing that God has done? And there's something that reminds us as we gather and sing our songs and claim that truth over things. One of our Easter hymns is, uh, Christ the Lord is risen today. And, um, and the words there say, Christ's redeeming work is done, fight, fought the fight, the battle won. Soar we now where Christ is led, following our exalted head. Made like him, like him we, him we rise. Ours, the grave, the cross, the skies. And here we hear us being pulled into this story of God's fullness. So Colossians feels like it's important that we live like that's true. And so it brings us back to our chains today. As we think about what it means to bring this back down to the ground, it's important for us to claim that truth over the real, real uh, realities of our lives and um, to, to trust it and to acknowledge that that isn't always easy and that it's a process and that you figure it out for one thing and then sort of something else can come along. So about 10 years ago, we did this. We gave everybody uh, some links of chain. And uh, I've been here long enough, like I remember like the things and I remember some, some parts of the story and forget others. But I remember very distinctly in our planning for worship about 10 years ago, we said, we ought to do this. We ought to help people claim God's ability to overcome anything. And the, the, but then as we talked, we thought, you know what? It could, that can be a little forced. You know, we don't want to be like, trite about this, and it isn't always instantaneous, and it, we need to acknowledge that. Otherwise, people might feel like guilty that they can't just let it go, and I think that's true. So what we did was we invited people, as we're going to do today, to, to name the thing 
and then to proclaim God's ability over it, as we will do, and then to bring it up. And we're going to come to communion today, and you're going to have the opportunity to drop that into the offering baskets as you come. It's going to be your offering today. Now, if you have an offering offering, you can, you can bring that too. That's allowed. Um, but, the, um, but the offering of our brokenness is part of the, of, of the equation, isn't it? Of claiming God's ability over the thing is, is part of our offering of ourselves. And so drop it in the basket, and then your hands are empty to receive. But we said, maybe you're not ready to do that today. I mean, if you're just honest, maybe this, this thing is just, is just kind of holding on. And as much as you believe that it's true that God can overcome it, you don't feel it yet. And that's okay. So if that's you, here's what we invite you to do. And this is what we did 10 years ago. We said, take it home instead and use it as a reminder. Pray over that thing until, until you can trust it, until you can feel it, until you know it. And then at some point later on, bring it back. And that's in God's time. We trust God's timing in this. And so when we did that, here's the remarkable thing. We come back into the sanctuary or into this room when this, the front was up here, you know, and we sort of had like a little kneeling rail in front of, some of you don't remember that already, um, or in the sanctuary at the altar rail in the sanctuary. And I would walk in there or somebody would walk in there it happened like about three months later, and it happened about six or seven months later, and it happened 18 months later. There'd just be little, little chains dropped places. And so I'd hope that for you. I, I think it is our commitment to one another to continue to pray through this as God continues to set us free. We've been saying we've been freed for the fullness of life that God wants for us. And we're freed from something. And Colossians claims that, and we claim it today too. So if you're ready to drop it when you come up to communion, just drop it in and, and use that as a, a reminder that you have been freed from to be freed for. If you're not quite ready, if you don't feel it and you need to take some time, take this home and bring it back when you're ready. But for all of us, we're going to hold that in our hand, and then we're going to read the Scripture again, and we're going to claim the truth of Scripture over the thing that we have named. And so I just invite you to hold it up a little bit, and, let's, and if you are comfortable, let's just join in the words of the Scripture together, and we'll use that as our preparation for communion today. Let's join together. When we were dead in our sins, God made us alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross.